0: The following is brought to you by TheKnowledge.com, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics Extra for uh, September 16th, 2021. It's your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you here in the capital of the great state of Texas, Austin. Music, live music capital of the world. Is that it? Not Music City. That's Nashville. Sorry, still getting used to these. Southern nomenclatures uh, and joining you uh, for free because it's PX free week. So you are enjoying. This is going to be the last of the things that normally live behind the paywall and yet will go out to all of you. So it is good to be speaking with a wider and larger audience. If you enjoy this, having an extra episode in your life, then head on over to takepoliticsseriously.com and sign up. At the $3 level. But uh, we got a lot to talk about here. Uh, Biden getting active in Congress. Can he indeed be the Joe Manchin whisperer or is he, you know, like useless? (laughs) I I don't want to be mean. Like, I don't want to be aggressive. Right. But. You know, so far, uh, COVID leadership not exactly what was uh, advertised. Foreign policy, uh, you know, the right move maybe done the wrong way, at least according to some folks. Uh, Flare ups on the border. The thing that you know he can do well is get things through Congress. That's what he was very good at as a senator. It's what he really, really worked hard behind the scenes on. When it came to Obama. So it's got some ambitious stuff and things are starting to pile up there in Congress. Can Joe Biden do it? We at least know that he's beginning to flex on him. New book by former FDA commissioner Scott Gottlieb has some pretty harsh criticism for the CDC in their COVID reaction and a suggestion of how we could best go forward when it comes to future pandemics. And I got a question here. Because there was an article in Politico today that just blew my mind. Who's trying to kill TikTok? Because somebody's trying to kill TikTok. We'll get into that in a second. Because this story's crazy to me. Bur- Stories today: Joe Biden meeting uh, with both Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. He is beginning to to get a little bit more active on this 3.5 trillion dollar reconciliation bill. Also, before we get into it, a little flavor on this uh, particular sandwich. That's a very common metaphor. According to Bob Woodward's new book, Joe Manchin was able to be soothed by Joe Biden when it came to the $1.9 trillion COVID relief, the American Rescue Plan, when Biden called Manchin and said, Joe, you got to go with me on this or you're really effing me. I love those stories. Woodward always knows how to scratch behind my ears when it comes to, to giving me that old that old, you know, uh, salty how the sausage is made uh, D.C. stuff. Hey, like, hey, man, come on. Yeah, come on, brother. You're really effing me on this deal, bro. Why you got to why you got to F me? Joe Biden, quote, put it in bronze. This is a story. From Politico, Biden met with two key Democratic holdouts on his domestic spending agenda on Wednesday, part of the sustained push to keep Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema on board with the legislative program. Biden met with Sinema uh, four times this year, in addition to telephone calls being made between the two, and has spoken to Manchin a similar number of times. It goes on, if Biden can hammer home popular aspects of this spending plan, it may help assuage Manchin to improve his whip count in Congress underscoring the degree to which he has become the face of the multi-trillion dollar reconciliation bill, a Democratic aide said that the party is increasingly seeking to frame this as Biden's agenda and not that of Bernie Sanders or any single Democrat. Now, I think this is very important because I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped that everybody got to hear the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday edition. Because on that Sunday, Sunday, Sunday edition, it was Joe Manchin and Bernie Sanders chasing each other around all of the Sunday talk shows, which set the agenda for DC and doing an itchy and scratchy routine, hitting each other with mallets. And it seems now, according to this article, that that's not the situation that they want. They don't want this to be Joe Manchin versus Bernie Sanders, because if Bernie Sanders is the face of the three point five trillion dollar reconciliation bill, then Joe Manchin has all the excuse that he needs to not go along with it. If anybody should know that Bernie Sanders is too left for the Democratic mainstream, it's Joe Biden who got out of the primaries because Bernie Sanders was too left for the Democratic mainstream. I mean, it's pretty simple and and it kind of makes you wonder how this has gotten to this point. Why was Bernie, of all the people that could be the face of this, why Bernie? Why is Bernie out on the stump trying to sell this? Obviously, Joe Biden is the president. He's got a lot on his plate. So maybe it's not him, but somebody that isn't the literal mascot for anybody who's afraid about the Democrats moving too far left would probably be a good person to be pitching a very, very high cost. But when you are selling, if you're Joe Biden, high and necessary reward, $3.5 trillion reconciliation package that, of course, Bernie Sanders wanted to be $6 trillion. They want to do a lot of permanent funding on this. And that, is, I think, part of the reason why Joe Manchin is 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 blanching. Number one, $3.5 trillion is a lot. It's a lot. A lot of money. But also, the programs that are funded and are, quote-unquote, permanently funded will, therefore, just not go away. When these things get permanently funded or even just created, it becomes very, very hard to make them end. Entitlement reform is something that does not happen all that often. And so the question then becomes, how many of these ships do you launch forever? The $3.5 trillion bill would do a lot of it. Meanwhile, we move to a story from the Hill. Manchin just isn't any senator. The chairman of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee is tasked with drafting some of the clean energy and climate provisions, including a clean energy payment program that would offer incentives to transition the nation to clean energy. Democratic senators who viewed the program as a priority have been trying to win over Manchin. The House bill includes the clean energy program, but Manchin has been cagey about his own plans. I'm not going to negotiate this in the press, says Manchin. A reminder that Joe Manchin is the Democratic senator from West Virginia. That, my friends, is coal country the the fact that the man who is very 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 much an outspoken advocate and about as far uh, as as you get uh, in terms of an outspoken advocate for coal energy as you do in the modern rep- or democratic party is the one who is going to be figuring out how much money businesses and citizens get if they change their lives to to be more energy efficient and clean energy efficient is yet another weird quirk amongst this entire situation. Meanwhile, let's get back to the Biden of it all, because if he's now in the business of twisting arms and offering both carrots and sticks, well, you know he's got some reason to do so. Biden's approval rating continues to slide. Two more polls that put him underwater, his real clear politics average now sitting At negative 4.6. That's not so good, Al. Another guy who winds up being a mainstay on the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday shows is former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb. He is a regular uh, guest on CBS's Face the Nation, but I, I, I tend to like the cut of his jib. Unless he's talking about anything that has to do with the Pfizer vaccine, which I don't trust him as far as I can throw him because he's literally on the board for Pfizer. But I do think that in terms of some of the his his points of view on covid are things that seem to jibe with where my worldview is based on reading what I read. Right. So I like him. He's got a new book coming out. In it, he argues that American intelligence agencies, not the CDC, should have a much bigger role in pandemic preparedness. And he is very critical of the CDC. Here is a Gottlieb quote to Axios. Typically, security agencies have viewed the CDC as having this mission and having the ball on this. Well, clearly they don't. Uh, So some of his points of view on this are that we should have intelligence kind of people on the ground or, or deployable people into situations where basically like into hot zones. So we just know that intelligence agencies are better at gathering data and analyzing it and making projections on how to deal with stuff than the CDC would be. If if the CDC, I mean, Gottlieb is very, very critical of the CDC. He, he seems to think that a lot of the stuff that happened, especially during the pandemic, revealed them to be, well, kind of bumbling boffins. He uses the case of social distancing, that initially the CDC made a recommendation of 10 feet for social distancing. And that was pushed back on by the White House. And he actually defends the Trump White House on this and says, look, they should have pushed back on it. 10 feet was fairly arbitrary. And when you are making a arbitrary decision from a federal agency with federal guidance, that's got a lot of far-reaching implications, including opening restaurants and schools and businesses. If it's 10 feet, then there's a lot of situations where you literally just don't have the real estate to put the amount of people that you would need to have to operate whatever you need to operate. Now, this has kind of been backed up by the fact that Biden has reduced social distancing officially to three feet, and this is all data that was available there before. So he shreds the the the, the CDC here, and and I don't know enough. To to say you know whether or not he's right or wrong, although he's an interesting voice to be doing it. By the way, the book is not entirely sympathetic to the Trump White House, uh, not by a long shot. He does detail a culture of bullying, saying that there was aggressive nonchalance about the virus amongst certain members of the Trump administration who were mocking uh, staffers for wearing masks. And while he is not. He was not for Trump pulling out of the World Health Organization. He's also very critical of Biden for rushing to get back to the World Health Organization without having any kind of preconditions for coming back, because they do need us. And we probably should have asked for something. Meanwhile, for the COVID of it all, good news. Nationwide cases are falling. Looks like we might be on the other end of the Delta surge. but. As is often the case, deaths are a lagging indicator, and we are now paying for the peak of that surge. Yesterday saw a, a new high for at least this surge: twenty-two hundred plus Americans dying from COVID. The 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 last or the the last time that the daily figure was that grim was in February of this year, as we were coming out. Of the winter wave and beginning to administer the vaccines. Politics, politics. All right, I got it. I got to talk to you all about this story. All right, so I'm just gonna read the the. I'm I'm just gonna read this here. Federal officials warn law enforcement agencies this spring that domestic extremists use TikTok. In the lead up to the January 6th riots on the Capitol, including by promoting bringing guns to Washington that day, according to an internal government document, highlighting authorities growing concern over violent content on the video app. Who's trying to kill TikTok? Somebody is back there. Get out. Get out and show me your face. Who's trying to kill TikTok? Because obviously, we, we you they, they tried to kill TikTok before by pushing the the china stuff and look i'm not saying that tiktok is clean in in terms of uh, uh being a backdoor data magnet for chinese interests all right like I'm, I'm sympathetic to that point of view but that almost got the platform banned here in america at least according to trump there then was a a, a deal where we were going to house the data locally, and it was technically going to be its own company, although it'd be owned by China. Uh, anyway, that all went to the wayside after Biden got in. But now we're taking the other tack. We're taking the 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 tack that the Democrats like. Before it was all right. Let's kill TikTok by way of the Republicans. Now we're going to kill TikTok by way of the Democrats. And nothing animates the Democrats more than. You caused January 6th, which I just find to be ridiculous. Guys, I I, I do. And and, uh, this is something that I felt right in the moment, and my position has only hardened on. Parler should not have been banned. You can't blame Parler just because they were the conservative social media site. Yes, there were probably a lot of people on Parler that were there at January 6th. But guess what? Parler doesn't have a lot of people. Who doesn't have a lot of people. They ain't got a lot of people. They do not. Want to know who has a lot of people? Twitter. Want to know who has even more people? Facebook. So you want to know where January 6th was by the numbers, by tonnage, interacted about, learned about, and organized more on? Facebook. And yet, we keep picking off these small fishes. We keep saying, oh, no, it was organized on parlors, organized on TikTok. They need to be punished. I'm just saying, if you really want to talk about who organized what and when they did it and what organization uh, is, is just, oh, we wanted to go out there and then stuff got wild and how much of it was very malicious. Look at the place where the most people organized. It's on the site with the most people. There is no unique, awful platform that was only there to maliciously take over the capital, okay? TikTok is a lot of different things. In fact, literally, the reason why I don't go on TikTok all that much is because I get very uncomfortable with how weirdly accurate that AI is (laughs) as it trolls, the algorithm trolls through the various centers of my brain sometimes showing me things that like i'm like oh God, am i into this i guess i i i was on a similar video for too long and next thing you know now i'm getting a, a bunch of different sub videos i don't know like i have no doubt that there was somebody on tiktok saying we're going we're going to dc i think everybody's got a lock and load i mean hell, we know that the oath keepers which is effectively a militia, went to D.C. armed, locking all of their weapons in their hotel with the assumption that they needed to be ready to go should Donald Trump invoke the Insurrection Act and they would then be deputized into service as a citizen's mob to take down an active coup. So they did come with guns, and locked them in their saves because they were waiting to see whether or not they would have to use them. That's something we know for a fact. So, like, I, I don't know. I read this story, and that was my immediate thought. Who's trying to kill TikTok? Because now we're, we're out. Sorry, Republicans. Republicans, you are useless in trying to kill TikTok. So somebody is trying to push this with the Democrats because this is in a a report that was written in April and now it's in the hands of reporters from Politico. How and why? And that wraps it up for us today. I want to thank everybody for listening to this show. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Again, this is the final of the paywall, normally paywalled content that is now out front for PX Free Week. Hopefully you have enjoyed uh, these two episodes, this episode and the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show. This is the late edition. So uh, uh, this is the only show that really goes right out as soon as I'm done with it. I record it I, I, I and I push it out to everybody. So uh, the latest news that uh, is being talked about is what uh, you get here. In fact, you want to know what? I'm just, just going to go ahead and just make sure that there's no other... Uh, yeah, no, that's it. We got we got all the stuff that I really wanted to talk about. No breaking news. Uh, tomorrow on the program, we've got a great show, including a very awesome conversation that I had with Andrew Heaton about the late, great Norm MacDonald, specifically uh, where he sits in, in the pantheon of political comedy. He was uh, certainly not an unpolitical guy, <laughs> and uh, uh, had had very strident political jokes and possibly political views. You know, it's it, it's very funny. Uh, Andrew Heaton makes the case in in our conversation that he doesn't think that Norm Macdonald was a particularly political guy. When uh, I tend to think he was probably a. A pretty, he that privately he had very strident political opinions, and that some of them made them way made their way out through jokes, but that he, you know, always tried to make them funny. And the show is going to open with like a series of jokes he made about Hillary Clinton, which is just very funny to me. And these are back in like '96. It was it was that was back in the day. Anyway, uh, that's it. Until next time. This is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, uh, politics has three names.